0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Okay, Eric said, earlier today I heard you doing a news report about howler monkeys in a, in a trunk. Yes. Okay. G- g- like, like, hit the highlights of that. So they were smuggling these howler monkeys. The this happened in Mexico. The Mexican National Guard heard the howler monkeys in the trunk or hidden wherever they were in the car, and found the monkeys. And the gentlemen trying to smuggling the monkeys are now arrested I have a story about criminals and trunks <laughs> no it, it, tr- true this is a, a true story back, okay. back in another life when I was a federal prosecutor um, the last couple of years I, I handled lots of narcotics cases but before that I, I handled a lot of what they would call reactive crimes which are bank robberies I mean the other sort but bank robberies and and let me just give some free legal advice from a recovering attorney here to start off with don't rob banks I mean bank robbers it, it's just if you're thinking about robbing something, don't rob banks. Okay, First of all, most banks are federally insured, so you make it a federal crime. Secondly, banks have all these different security measures that are there. um they've got cameras, a lot of times they've got guards. it It's just don't rob banks. and, what happens is a lot of time. first of all, there, there's also, did you know, there's there's really almost from a robbery perspective, there's very little very money little in cash. banks yeah. because the, the tellers all have rules that, you know, There, it's not like you, there's thousands and thousands of dollars in, in a teller's drawer. I mean, once they hit a certain amount of money, they got to take the money back to the vault. So unless you're able to get into the vault, which you're almost never able to do, there's just there's no money in banks. I know that sounds silly, but that's the reality. So anyhow, um, There's these two yo-yos who who go into this bank to rob it. And they've got a third guy who's outside the getaway car, okay? And what they don't know, the other thing that banks at least had at the time, I assume they do have them too now, is they have these exploding die packs. Ah, sure. And and so what they are is they look like they're, they look like they're, they're a wad of bills, you know? But they've got a couple 20s on one side and 20s on the bottom. And inside, they've got a tear gas pack. So, and what happens is once the teller pulls that out of the drawer, it sets off, it, there's this timer. And so the thing is, is going to go off at some point in time. So the, the two criminals go into the bank and they, they rob the bank and they, they take some money out of one of the cash drawers and the teller throws in the, the exploding die pack into the bag. Okay, so the, the plan these guys have is that they're going to run out of the bank, they're going to run around the corner, they're going to jump into the trunk Of the waiting getaway car. And and then they're gonna, they're thinking, okay, they're gonna be looking for, you know, two guys that match the description of the robbers, but the, the getaway car driver looked nothing like the, the the other two. So their plan is, hey, we'll, we'll get away scot free. Mm, So, Right around the corner, the getaway car driver's there. He's got the the trunk kind of popped. The two guys rob the bank. They run out with the bag of money. They jump into the trunk. They pull the trunk closed on them, and then they start driving off. Great plan, right? Except except about 30 seconds later, as they're at a stoplight about a block away from the bank, the dye pack, the tear gas (laughs) thing, explodes in the trunk. So now what you have happening is there's all this like red smoke coming up, you know, from from the trunk. And, of course... It, it's suspicious. Not, right, well, it is suspicious <laughs> to the point that everybody's, like, looking at this. And now you have these two yo-yos that are in the trunk who now have this tear gas thing that has oh, exploded. Yeah, right. So they're in the trunk of a car, which can't be that good anyways. And now this tear gas bomb has exploded. And so, boom, boom, they're banging on the trunk to get the guy to open it. Well, the getaway car driver, he's got two bank robbers in the trunk. He's not going to stop to open the trunk. So, needless to say... Uh, they did not get very far. <laughs> <laughs> no? right. Needless to say. So, I mean, I, I for some reason I was thinking about that story as as we were thinking of talking about the howler monkeys. Now, this wasn't <laughs> howler monkeys in the trunk, but it was like two would be bank robbers in the yeah. trunk. Didn't work out very well. Mm, so, sense. again, free legal advice: don't rob don't rob anything, but don't rob banks. It just it almost never works. They always get caught. Always get caught. All right, just those were the good old days. Okay. A lot of ground to cover on today's program. Major League Baseball. I want to start off with this, just just real quickly. I said earlier this week, I think the chances of having a World Series are, are maybe ninety ten against. Uh, I just, I, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope I'm wrong with this, but I just. I think with, you know, you've had the outbreak that Miami had. You had the outbreak that St. Louis has had. It strikes me that more stuff is going to be inevitable. And, you know, with a concentrated schedule, I just don't know how they're going to do it. The thing that's going on with baseball, unlike basketball, is basketball is in, is in a bubble, you know, you've got everybody that's on the campus at Disney World and they're not supposed to be able to leave and you're controlling people coming in. The problem baseball has is you have people that are that are traveling. You're going from city to city. You're on airplanes, you're on team buses, you're in hotels, and inevitably you're going to have the players going out. Now they're they're being really quiet about where the Miami Marlins, which was the first team that just got decimated by COVID, what what happened, but there's a lot of reports are that a bunch of the players, you know, went went out and all it takes is one or two of them going to some nightclub or something, getting exposed and getting sick. So here's the latest. Major League Baseball has just issued a new set of protocols for the players. So this is what they're saying the players have to do. All right, let me just share a couple of these with you. Players and staff have to wear masks at all times including in the dugout and the clubhouse, with the exception of players on the field. They must also wear masks at all times in the hotel and at any public places on the road. Clubs are now required to reduce the size of their traveling parties to only personnel who are absolutely essential to playing games. Staff and players are strictly prohibited from meeting in hotel rooms while on the road, including to share food. So, in other words, I'm not allowed to go to Gru's hotel room. All right. They may not gather in any public areas of the hotel without permission from the team's compliance officer. While eating and drinking, individuals are discouraged from talking to one another or even facing one another. On road trips, clubs must provide a minimum of four buses with a fully unoccupied row between players and staff members, also prohibiting side-by-side seating. Um, players can't sit across from another on a plane. They are prohibited from leaving their seats on the plane, except to use a lav- lavatory, and they need to get permission to do that. They must also wear surgical masks on planes, um, no face coverings, no cloth face coverings. You have to wear surgical masks. Eating and drinking are permitted on planes, but you are prohibited from talking to one another at the same time. Any player or staff member must notify their compliance officer if they intend to leave the hotel on the road. The officer will decide whether their planned trip outside the hotel complies with the manual and the club's code of conduct. Okay, so in other words... Um, Hey, compliance officer, me and the boys, we want to go catch the strip joint down in Atlanta. Can can we go? My guess is that's no. All club members are now required, all clubs now are required to provide outdoor covered spaces for all visiting players and staff members to sit at. Um, They are encouraged to eat outdoors instead of the clubhouse. While at home, players and staff members are strictly prohibited from visiting bars, lounges, Malls, or any other place in which large groups gather. All right, and it, it goes on and on. But essentially, if you are on work release, you have a lot more freedom than you do if you are a major league baseball player. So if you're at home, you're, you're not allowed to essentially go to a mall. You're not allowed to go to a place where any large group gathers. You can't go to a bar. Um, if you're traveling, you, you've got all these different limitations. They're doing this, obviously, in sort of a last-ditch attempt to try to regulate behavior and, and minimize the possibility that somebody's going to get infected. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's my simple question. Is there any way that this is going to work? Do you think that you are going to have, well, there, there's 30 teams, the roster, you know, 28 players plus the traveling parties. So you're, you're talking about a lot of people. Do you think it is reasonable to expect... You know, voluntary compliance that, you know, when you're essentially on the road, you're in your hotel, you're not seeing anybody else, you're staying in your hotel room, except when you're on the team bus, uh, you're raising your hand to go to the bathroom on the charter thing. When you're living at home with your wife and your kids or whatever, you're, you're not going to go to a bar, you're not going to go to a restaurant, you're not going to go to a mall, you're not going to go to the beach, you're not going to go anywhere where large groups gather. I understand why they're doing it. Is it reasonable to believe that people will comply? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and my answer is, okay, the, I, I understand that these, these are adults. I, I get it. And I understand the purpose behind these. But I, I'm sitting there thinking, are, are people going to really do this? 855-616-1620. And, and my answer would be, I'm skeptical. What do you think?
0: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: One of our texters, Jeff said, one of our texters, Jen says, they're adults being paid millions of dollars. It's absolutely realistic to expect them to follow the new rules. Want to bet? I mean, mean, really? Okay. If, if, if the reason you're having these outbreaks is because that the players have made the decision that they're going to go, we're going to go to strip clubs or they're going to go out to golf courses or they're going to be like socializing when they're on the road. Okay. I mean, if, Understanding what the various risks were to that exposure. You you think putting in a new set of rules is somehow going to cause people to comply? And is it even realistic to expect people, okay, once you get into your hotel room, you are not allowed to go out, okay? And you can't go visit. If you're going to go out anywhere, you've got to get permission from the compliance officer who will then make the decision, and you're not allowed to go visit your teammates in their hotel rooms. And when you're at home, you can't visit bars, lounges, malls, or places where large groups gather I, I just i mean i understand why they're coming down with the rules i'm just wondering is it reasonable and realistic to expect people to follow them mike on the northwest side hi mike you're on wtmj hi good afternoon jeff this will never work there's too many variables and no one's going to be adhering to all these stringent rules it's just unrealistic to have them expected to do that and i fear the same for football and if you talk about the
0: World Series and stuff like that. If it does happen to get there, which I don't think it will, it's gonna be really
1: kind of a meaningless, you know, like triple asterisk after it because well, it's not a real game anymore. Well, I mean my, I mean, I don't know. I mean I, I still have fun listening to the Brewers and, and I mean I understand this is this is an odd sort of season. But I mean I, I have fun. I, I was listening to the end of the Brewers game last night. I, I, I had fun doing it. But but to your point, I mean You get these you're now at this point where you've got this attempt to micromanage literally every aspect of of the lives of these players. And I just wonder how realistic it is. Staff and players strictly prohibited from meeting in hotel rooms while on the road, including to share food. So I I can't go over to Gru's hotel room and split a pizza. They may not gather in any public areas of the hotel without permission from the team's compliance officer. While eating and drinking, individuals are discouraged from talking to one another or even facing one another. I, I mean, okay, just just think about that. All the rest of us at least get to go out to restaurants and you get to sit at a table with, you know, your, your spouse and your, your friends. Um, e- even if you got to wear a mask when you go into the restaurant, they're, they're saying these ballplayers aren't going to be allowed to do that. And I, I keep Looking at this at home, players and staff members prohibited from visiting bars, lounges, malls or places in which large groups gather, which does it does kind of raise an interesting issue. And During the break, my, my producer grew was raising this question. If you were a baseball player, would you rather if you were an athlete, would you rather be in the bubble in Orlando where you, you don't have all these draconian rules, but, but you're you're in you're you're in the bubble. You're not allowed to leave the, the, the premises. Would you rather have that than be a major league baseball player where you you're you're not in a bubble, you're traveling around. But you've got all these different restrictions, in, including when you're at home. You, you can see your family, but you pretty much can't do anything with your family. and You can't go out and about. I, you know, I think my initial reaction is I, I think I would actually almost prefer the bubble because the, the restrictions are. Are are so onerous and, and so difficult. Here, you, you you can have a meal, but you pretty much have to be eating by yourself, and you can't be facing anybody, and you can't be talking to anybody while you're eating the meal. It it's almost like it's so draconian. And again, I I understand why they're doing it. There's a lot of money that's involved. They're trying to get through the season. They want to have playoffs, so th- this is what they have to do. But from a practical perspective, man, I just don't know how people are going to comply with this um uh jeff some will comply others will still go to casinos or rent pontoon boats together um the nfl and and major league baseball players are not like the nba players but they are still young men some are immature Jeff, they need to get over it. Nobody is going to be following the rules. Um, Jeff, no amount of caution is going to keep people from being exposed to COVID. What happened? The original goal of slowing the spread just enough not to overwhelm the hospital system. COVID is going to make its way through the population. Yeah, I understand what the what the text is saying. I think what Major League Baseball is trying to do is for the next 90 days or however long it takes to finish the regular season and then go into the playoffs. What they're trying to do is they're trying to put their own version of a bubble around the, the players, kind of like sort of bubble wrap them, even though they're out and about in society, in an attempt to not have them exposed to anything. Now, I guess, you know, good luck, good luck with this. Jeff, what's the point? These are the conditions of their employment, um, just like I have at work. Okay, well, my my point is, My point is, will will people comply with that? I mean, you can put in all the rules you want and you can say, this is what we're gonna do. And when you're at home, you're not gonna be allowed to go to lounges and you can't go to bars and you can't go to any place where public, uh, where where people congregate. You can put that rule into place. The question is, are people going to comply with the rule? Are they realistic rules? And that's where I have the issue. I'm I'm sorry, I, I go back and I hope I'm wrong. I continue to go with my original estimate, which is I think it's about 90-10 that they're not able to finish a Major League Baseball season from beginning to end. Hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong with that. They're trying. They're toughening up the protocols. Will people comply? Well, we'll see. Jeff
0: Wagner on
1: WTMJ. So what are the police supposed to do? Now, th- this is what's going on in Portland, but it, it is illustrative of, of Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, you have a number of primarily extremely left-wing local politicians who have decided that they want to side with some angry, small, occasionally violent members of the community against the larger community and and people who want law and order. So you've got this effort to let's let's dump Chief Morales, because, well, Chief Morales has been, Chief Morales has been too tough on the protesters. Chief Morales used tear gas after people were throwing rocks and bricks and pieces of concrete at, at his officers after being told to disperse. Chief Morales used tear gas on people when they decided they were going to try to march down the freeway. Oh, how, how terrible this is. He's, he's not responsive enough to the community. Well, I, I would argue that he is responsive to the community because he is trying to enforce law and order. And again, you've got some of these very, very left-wing politicians who have decided because it's politically expedient for them or because they think it's going to benefit them, that what they're going to do is, is they want to try to undermine the chief by going in that respect, which brings me to what is going on in Portland, Oregon. Now, I I Know some people disagreed with me last week when I, I cited a story that was in the Wall Street Journal, and what it said was, you, "You broke it, you bought it." It's the Pottery Barn rule, and it was essentially that that the Fed should pull out of Portland because let the let the local mayor and let the governor own what was going on, that the rioting, which at that point in time was about 60 days. And the the point of the story and the point I was trying to make is you you have all these people who are behaving in a lawless, irresponsible fashion. But what's going on is because there were homeland security people or, or federal authorities that were there protecting federal buildings and they were ending up making arrests and engaging the crowd, they became the issue. Trump became the issue. Trump is sending federal authorities here where the real issue should have been that you have civilian authorities in Portland which have lost control. And that's what we should be focusing on, the rioters and things like that. Well, okay, what, what's happened? The feds pulled out. So the state patrol, the state, uh, National Guard came in, the state police came in, so we, we've got the local authorities that are now there. So the federal issue has gone away. Well, guess what? The rioting has not stopped. But what, what a surprise. I, I, I sent out a link to a couple of these stories today. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Wagner 620 um, Here's the story from this morning. Police declare riot for second consecutive night Wednesday. That would be last night. Disperse crowd using tear gas. And the local police chief, his name is Chuck Lovell. He, he's saying, he, he's saying, look, this, this, this has to stop. And he's saying, look, here's the problem. We have people here who are dedicated to just trying to provoke a police response through vandalism or violence. And he said, this, this is what's going on. And apparently the last two nights, just to kind of summarize what happened, is you have some, you have some demonstrations that are largely peaceful. And then what happens is you have groups, 100 people here, 200 people there, that they break off and they go to other areas. Now what happened last night apparently is they ended up outside a police precinct. And what they started to do is they tried to burn down the precinct. I mean, they they, there was, I guess, plywood over the windows. They started, this is the group, they painted graffiti. There were security cameras. They decided to go up and try to spray paint the security cameras so the people engaging this couldn't be identified. Then what they did is they tried to pull the plywood off the the windows so they could break the windows. They started lighting stuff on fire. It became, again, just a complete and total mess. And it wasn't it wasn't because federal authorities were there. It was because you have a bunch of anarchists and looters and rioters who don't like the police, don't care about personal property rights, don't care if they hurt people. And so they're throwing rocks, they're throwing bricks, they're throwing frozen water bottles. They're trying to light stuff on fire. And this is the 69th day in a row that you have had behavior, sometimes worse, worse. Sometimes better. But this is the 69th day of protest. And regardless of whether the feds are there or not, it's showing no signs of stopping. And the police chief is finally, finally stepping up and, and starting to condemn this, saying, look, we have people that are just out there trying to provoke a police response. They're not about trying to affect peaceful change. They're not about trying to improve police-community relations. What they're trying to do is they're trying to engage in violence, and they're trying to get us to respond so they can respond in an even more violent fashion, and it has to stop. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. See, I think what's going on in Portland is instructive, for, you know, what's going on in or could go on in in other communities. And that is when you let the mob take over, when you let the mob rule, when you have politicians who decide that, figuratively speaking, they want to get in bed with with some of the more vocal and or violent people, that this is what ends up happening you get 70 days of situations where people are burning and looting and essentially destroying a town. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, my note is, when faced with things like this, do police need to be more aggressive? Do you want to see law enforcement take an approach of, okay, let's sit down and, and sing kumbaya and let's look the other way when people are trying to loot and burn, or do you want to see it stopped? And if that means making arrests and shooting off tear gas and catching people that are out there, spray-painting security cameras, trying to break windows and throwing rocks at police, don't, don't we want those people taken into custody? Isn't that the response that, candidly, a civilized society both needs and should be demanding 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line being nice to the protesters giving them what they want caving into the mob doesn't seem to be working very well in portland anybody surprised back to discuss in just a minute this is jeff wagner
0: you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj 855-616-1620.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. James in Milwaukee. Hi, James. How
0: you doing, Jeff?
1: Good. What do you think?
0: You know, well, you know, you've know, you got other countries around the world, third and fourth and you know, fifth world countries type of thing. They have all this protesting and all this other stuff happening all the time. Are we going to let it happen in our country to the extent that we're going to become that and uh, take over our, our streets and take over everything else? And uh, we're not going to have a we uh, no, nothing to say about it. We're going to lock ourselves in our houses and, and hope to be alive.
1: Well, I mean, that's, thanks. I mean, James, I mean, here's, here's the thing. What, what, if you're, what if you're somebody that lives in Portland? And what if you're somebody that's OK, you know, you're you're, you're running a business and, and you're paying taxes and you're a responsible citizen. And and, and th- this isn't a political thing. It doesn't matter whether you're conservative or liberal or Republican or Democrat. You, you have a right to a certain, I think, quality of life. And, and what's going on in Portland now just exposes the, the big lie, I think, that, that was out there. And that the fact that you you have these rioters and you you have the anarchists and you have the looters and and for at least the last couple of weeks when the feds were in Portland that was the excuse oh well we're just angry at President Trump and we're angry at the federal presence so here this is going to be our justification for you know throwing bricks and throwing pieces of concrete this is going to be our explanation for violence because we're we're angry with President Trump okay fine you're now seeing what happens you pull out the federal authorities and you still have violence now again the last two nights they declared riots i don't think it was as bad as like last week but it's not like the whole issue has gone away now okay we're, we're not going to attack the federal building because the feds aren't there so what we're going to do is we're going to march on police precincts and we're going to try to burn those buildings down well at, at some point in time don't you have to say enough is enough now finally 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 the police chief that that's that's what he's saying he's saying look you're you're not accomplishing anything there there's no message here a- at all if if rioters, your purpose is trying to say, okay, well, we, we want to improve police community relations. Okay, great. Um, attacking police officers and trying to burn down police stations and looting stores, that, that sends no message a- at all. That's just the act of, of an out of control mob. And, and that's what you have going on. And, and that's why I think you have to have a police department that responds to these things. And again, unfortunately, what you're seeing around the country is you're seeing some politicians who are are just completely and totally checked out, like the the mayor of Madison, to an extent the mayor of Milwaukee. You have other politicians who, for reasons that completely and totally escape me, have decided that in the short run, it is to their personal political benefit to, to side with the angry mob over... Over what I believe, and I always hate to use the term silent majority because it's got Nixonian overtones, but over what what I believe is the silent majority of, of people out there who might be sympathetic to certain causes like social justice and things of the like, but are like, wait a minute, you're, okay, you're, you're you're trying to storm police stations and you're throwing bricks at police officers and you're, you're trying to burn down buildings. We don't want to be a part of that club. And, and the best analogy I can give is after... After Act 10, you know, going on, what, 10 years ago or so, you know, you had all these people that, that descended to Madison and they were protesting and, and you had the takeovers of the Capitol and all that stuff. I think there were at least a chunk of people who were sympathetic maybe to the, who weren't necessarily fans of Act 10, right? I'll, I'll leave it like that, but then looked at what was going on and said, look, we don't want to be a part of this club. This is, you know, all right, maybe we we don't need to go as far as Act 10, but we don't want to be part of this behavior and this type of stuff. And I think the same thing is going on now. Now, has the pendulum swung completely uh, against the protesters and against the mob? No. But I think the police need to hear from the silent majority of people who support efforts to try to maintain law and order. And the idea of engaging in lawlessness and engaging in criminal behavior in the name of whatever your social justice mission is, it's counterproductive to the cause and it needs to end up stopping. And I think, again, in Portland, you're understanding what at least some elements of this protest movement are all about. And it's not about trying to affect peaceful change. It's about seeing what you can destroy, how you can provoke the police, and how much you can get away with it. And I guess the question becomes for the community of Portland and for other communities as well, how far down that road are you going to go? This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. Here's a text from Marsha. Jeff, for God's sake, why is this continuing? Call out the National Guard. Haul the looters and protesters away. Lock them up. Throw away the key. Seriously, why can't they arrest these idiots? Well, they, they can. But the problem is that then gives them the attention of what they want. And then, like I say, you have you have politicians, and it's not just in Portland. We have them here. You have politicians who've decided that they, it's in their political interest to side with the mob. And so if you have the police, civilian authorities that respond, then it's like, oh, well, why did you use tear gas or, or why did you make the, these arrests? And look, you've got these people that are victims, right, as they're getting ready to throw the frozen water bottle at the police officers. That's what we are dealing with with now and the the Portland police chief is exactly correct you have people in Portland and elsewhere who are out there trying to provoke a police response that that's That's it. We're gonna try to do whatever we can to see if we can try to provoke a police response and then we can be outraged when the police respond to this and we can demand that people be fired. Let's get rid of the police chief because, I don't know, they, 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 they responded after, after people burned down a house and then started to throw objects at the fire department when they were there to try to put out the fires. Gee, we're, we're going to be mad that the police came in and dispersed the crowd. That is how far through the looking glass we've gotten. Now, on today's program, we're, we're not going to be talking about what may or may not happen at the fire and police commission meeting tonight because candidly, nobody knows. I, I mean, it's just, It's a complete and total cluster bumble. You do not know what what is going on. You've got the Fire and Police Commission that has, well, an ethically challenged head. They've had... I mean, they they change executive directors like many people change underwear, and they're apparently considering a resolution tonight that they consider either firing or disciplining or demoting, you know, Chief Morales, which is just, I mean, it's just absolute insanity. You've got the mayor who's on the milk carton about this whole thing, don't know if he's pulling strings behind the scene or not. And and meanwhile, you have homicides in the city of Milwaukee that are just absolutely through the the roof, and you have again, some of these professional politicians, you know, folks who you know are trying to figure out ways to climb the political ladder, and they've decided that by siding with the the angry mob. And the most vocal opponents, even though they're small, they're loud. So these politicians have decided, okay, this is how we can benefit our career. And if it ends up messing up the whole city, well, so it messes up the whole city. But if it advances their career, they're, they're willing to do it. I don't know what the, I don't know what the Fire and Police Commission is going to do. And so I think spending a lot of time discussing what they may or may not do at this point in time is kind of futile. Uh, the, the chief, Firing back through his attorney saying, hey, look, a lot of these directives I got were, were illegal. Um, I, I don't think the Fire and Police Commission has the authority to do this, that, or the other thing. There, there's going to be fireworks. But the bottom line of all this is that this is a very pivotal moment for the, the city of Milwaukee. And the question is going to be whether we turn the city of Milwaukee over to the loud protest voices, the anarchists, or whether law and order prevails, and unfortunately, people who should be standing up and doing the right thing, like the mayor, are are very very quiet. Hey, I want to call attention? We we talked about this about a week or so ago, so I am not going to open up the phone lines on this. But in case you didn't believe me, let me invite you to check out uh, check me out on Twitter. It's it's Jeff Wagner six twenty. There, I swear you can't make this stuff up. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about this story about how in many communities. When they do real estate listings, they no longer use the phrase master bedroom because they find that to be politically incorrect and insensitive because it uses the word master. You know, that's because I guess, you know, you had slaves and you had masters. And so in 2020, referring to the principal bedroom as a master bedroom or the largest bathroom off the master bedroom as being the master bathroom, that is now politically incorrect. It is insensitive. So there are communities that are doing away with this. If you did not believe me, there's a big story about this in the New York Times, and I've got a link to it. Um, I, I swear you cannot make this stuff up. If you're a master plumber, watch out. The PC police are coming for you next. Now I sent that tweet out, and then I had to apologize because it was late last night when I did it, and I was getting prepared to retire to the master bedroom. I mean, my primary bedroom. Back with more in just a minute. Stick around.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show.
1: And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so I'm getting all these texts from people saying, you're, you're making this stuff up about like the, the master bedroom. No, I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not. We, as a matter of fact, we, we talked about this a week or two ago, so we're not going to have a separate discussion about it again. But, but yes, this in many communities, Houston started it off, and there are other ones, Louisville, I believe, now New York. Um, what they are doing, real estate agents no longer refer to the principal bedroom in the home as the master bedroom. They no longer refer to the principal bathroom in the home as the, the master bath and the the reason is because I swear I'm not making this up it's got connotations to slavery where you know when you had slaves you had masters and you had the slaves so the idea would be in 2020 referring to the the main bathroom as the master bathroom well is to harken back to slavery I, I swear I do not make this up but you know in, in different times we would just simply look at stuff like this and we would say are you nuts Mo- move on but but now this is what 's happening, and, and at least at first it was kind of interesting because when this started the the initial response to okay we 're going to do away with master bedroom, it was going to be like owner 's bedroom, you know like because if you 're the owner you 're probably in the big one well, that you couldn 't say that because you you're you 're the, you're the owner that 's even worse that, than saying master and and again, if you don 't believe me th- this, there are people out there that actually take this stuff seriously big story in the New York Times about this and I, I've got a link to it if you follow me on Twitter it's at Jeff Wagner 620 and I a number of you are correctly raising the different issues that this this raises um, you know what what, what do we do? Do we have master plumbers anymore? Well no, the, the answer is, is is no. What about companies like Masterlock? Well, I think you probably have to change this. How about those of you that have MasterCards in your wallet? I you know may, maybe we need to change all that sort of stuff because the the word "master" is so what inherently prejudicial and offensive to people that you can't have it. I'm, I'm sorry. to me, the bedroom. In my home that I I share with my wife, that's that's our mess. That's the master bedroom and the bathroom. That's off the master bedroom is the master bathroom. And no amount of political correctness or the whining of the perpetually offended is going to change that. But at some point in time, again, don't don't we just need to say, wait a second? You know, this is this is going like way 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 too far. When you take ordinary commonplace terms that have, you know, no. No, in this case, sexist or racist overtones, and we try to, you know, then try to interpret stuff into it. I mean, really? All right, now that kind of leads me into what I want to discuss next. About a about a month and a half ago, the, the Simpsons and the, the TV show, the Simpsons, since Simpsons, which is the longest running network scripted show. Uh, the Simpsons, now they be, they've been coming under fire because there was a character um who, who owned the Quickie Mart and his, his name was Apu. And they decided to at least do away with the Apu character, at least for the time being, because people objected that this was a, a sort of a stereotypical India, Indian sort of portrayal, you know, a guy who came to this country and, you know, and ran the Quickie Mart and stuff like that. So after refusing to back down, the Simpsons now finally kind of like, like back down. The guy that voiced Apu said, I'm not going to voice Apu anymore. So we don't want people to be offended. So in the heels of, of that, what happened is the, the Simpsons announced that the producers announced that the voice actors, and I don't know if you know how this works, but you, you have very, very talented people who oftentimes, they're, they're able to do many different voices um, and, and they're completely different. You can't tell it's the, the same person. And so they do the, these various voices and, and sometimes what you have is you have um, men who, you know, do voices of, of women and, and vice versa. That, that's just kind of how it works. So you have these actors and actresses, the voice actors and actresses who portray different sort of characters. One of the characters, um, one of the voice actors is a guy named Harry um, Shearer, who who does all sorts of stuff. He's been in a bunch of movies as well. He does lots of Simpsons characters. He does Mr. Burns, who is the owner of the nuclear power plant. He does Waylon Smithers, who's the next door neighbor to Homer Simpson. He's kind of like the, the the born again Christian character. He does Principal Skinner, who's the principal at the elementary school. He does, um, oh no, sorry, Waylon Smithers is the, works for the, the guy that owns a nuclear power plant. He does Ned Flanders, who's the born again Christian who lives next door. He does Kent Brockman, who's the sportscaster. He does Reverend Lovejoy, who is the pastor for the town and he does Dr. Hibbert, and Dr. Hibbert is a prominent black doctor. Okay, so he does all these different voices, and he's been doing them for for decades. The Simpsons producers have announced that they are no longer going to use voice actors to portray characters that are of a, of a different cultural background. So, in other words, Harry Shearer, who is white, who has been doing this Doctor Hibbert character, a, a prominent black doctor, he's been doing the voice for since the beginning for for two decades. He is no longer going to be permitted to do that voice, and it will be recast to find a person of color who is going to play that that voice. And, you know, interestingly enough, Harry Shearer did this interview the other day and he says, look, he said, I, I, I'm an actor. I have a very simple belief about acting. He says, the job of the actor is to play someone who they're not. That's the gig. That's the job description. I'm not a rich nuclear plant, power plant owner. I'm not a Bible believing Christian that lives next to Homer. Um, I'm not any of those people. He said, I, I'm, I'm an actor. And he said, on the other hand, I mean, I I don't get paid by the voices I do. I get hired. So it doesn't matter whether I do five voices or whether I do six voices, but I'm I'm an actor, you know, And, and if I'm good at this, you know, why shouldn't I be able to do the cartoon? Why shouldn't I be able to voice the cartoon character that in this case is is black as long as. Uh, as, as long as I'm good at this, isn't that what acting is all about? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, this raises a really interesting question about whether you want to call it cultural appropriation or, or whatever. But I don't know, can a heterosexual actor or actress portray a, a gay character? You know, in in a movie or a TV show, or now anytime there's a gay character, does the does the the actor or actress that portrays them do they have to be gay? I mean, is that the the point where where we're at? Um, for for again for the cartoon characters, I mean, does. Does it have to be, if the character is Native American, does it have to be a Native American actor or actress that portrays that particular voice? And, and how far do you carry this? I mean, if you've got a, an actor or actress in real life who is gay, can, can they portray, can they portray a, a heterosexual character on, on TV? I mean, how does this work? 855-616-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. Or, or isn't the bottom line They're, they're actors and actresses. They are posing. They are playing roles. Their job is to portray someone who they're not. I mean, do we need, whether, do we need, do you need to be pure, do you need this type of purity? Can only African American voice actors voice African American black, you know, cartoon characters? Can only gay people portray gay characters on TV? Or, should we hire an actor or actress who is best suited for the part? 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How far does this political correctness go? We discuss in a moment.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, l- l- let me give you the, the really interesting aspect of, of this story. So, uh, num- starting with The Simpsons, but another number of other TV shows have decided okay, for these cartoons, if we have voice actors who p- are portraying. I don't know, persons of color and, and they're white. Well, we're, we're going to fire. Up. They're no longer going to do those, those voices because we want to go out. and We want to find if it's a black character, we want to find a black voice to, to do that, to which my, my response and the response to some of these actors is it isn't isn't what an actor does it is playing a role. And, and how far do you draw this? And for The Simpsons, it's interesting. OK, what's the lead character? Who is the lead character on The Simpsons? Well, it's Bart. Okay, the the second grader. Bart Simpson is voiced by a a voice actress. Her name is Nancy Cartwright. Okay, so the, the male character of Bart has been done for the entire run of The Simpsons by a female. All right, should we say, well, okay, she's a female. She shouldn't be able to do Bart's voice. She does all sorts of other voices as well. Nelson Muntz, who's the bully on there. Okay, that that's, that's a male voice. Ralph Wiggum, who's uh, one of the kind of like nerdy kids. Okay, she does his voice. Should we say that, all right, We can only have that the cartoon character is a a white male, so we can only have white males that end up doing those voices. And and my answer would be, of course not. I mean, of, of, of course not. What you're looking for when you're casting people for roles is you're looking for actors or actresses who are, in the case of cartoons, do they have the vocal qualities? Do they do great voices? Do they sound like people would believe the character would sound? And if the answer is yes, then it shouldn't make any difference whether or not it's a male or a female that, that's doing the, the voice over. Remember the great show um, Rocky and Bullwinkle? Okay, Rocky was voiced by a woman. All right, so oh, who... Who cares? I mean, did you need to find a talking squirrel to do that particular situation? Bottom line of all this is, again, actors portray people. And I do wonder where the, this goes. Again, what happens when you have somebody, again, who, who's gay? Does that mean you can't, if you've got a heterosexual actor or actress, they can't portray the gay character? I mean, you know, seriously, at what point in time are, are we going to get to a point? Here's a text. Somebody says the actor's voices might not matter. Entertainment may soon be canceled. Well, well, yeah. Jeff, it's called acting, correct? That means you act like something you are not. Political correctness is now ruining the arts. Acting is a learned skill just like any other job. The best it should get, the best person should get the job regardless of any other factor. Now, look, I I understand. That there might be times where you know the the race of a character is going to be key to you know the, the portrayal, and, and so maybe that's the way it's written in the script, maybe it's the way it's written in the book, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but nevertheless, you you want the person who's best to play the character, as opposed to all this PC stuff, where all right, we 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 can't allow a voice actor to do a, a voice that might be culturally insensitive or culturally inconsistent with their background. Jeff, I see nothing wrong with any actor portraying any role. That's the definition of actor. Um, yes. Jeff, most of these people have been doing the same voices for 33 years. Perhaps it's time to put a fork in the Simpsons. Um, yeah. Jeff, I'm with you on this one. This is going overboard. It's again acting. Um, Jeff, I think it's ironic that people think doing things like this in an effort to prevent racism, when in fact, all they do is draw even more attention to racial differences. Well, well, yeah, I, I mean, that that's the, the whole idea behind this, you need to, uh, again, recognize that people as actors or actresses, they portray characters that they are not and that's the beauty of it but of course in 2020 that's I guess not where we are Jeff Wagner on WTMj Jeff I'm surprised the PC police haven't come at South Park yet actually they make fun of every group yeah a little bit of South Park goes a long way with me but there are I will watch a little bit of it and there are there are scenes in South Park it is just so so inappropriate, and you find yourself laughing at, Melissa, do you ever watch South Park?
2: I you know a no. few episodes here and there. I just I, it doesn't appeal to well, me. The, I, well,
1: it's 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 just there's something about it. It is completely over the top. It and is, I, I yeah. think there's a lot of hit and miss and, and a lot lot more misses maybe than hits. But a lot there, of cringes, like there, but, I but, but can't there, believe. But there's stuff on there that's yeah. just funny as heck. Every once in a while, you just go, I can't, can't believe, believe they did that. They, what? <laughs> they ended up uh, they ended up doing that. And, every, and, and it's the, the guys that do it are extremely twisted, and I, I say that with affection, but they're very twisted. Well, and, and
2: it's, it, it, I think it comes off kind of weird because it is animation, but animation has become, you know, I guess the next best thing out there, I don't know, when it comes to Entertainment. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, you have The Simpsons for how many years Well, that's now? what you're talking yeah. about.
1: Yeah, for like going on 30 years and stuff. But but now, I mean, South Park makes its career on being politically incorrect. So I, I don't see South Park deciding that they're going to, I don't know, change their their voices so that, you know, we we want to be culturally sensitive to who's voicing, you know, who. But it, it is amazing how things change. I was talking about this the other day. Have you ever seen the movie Blazing Saddles by Mel Brooks?
2: Oh, no, well, I don't think so. It's okay, before my time, but yeah. Okay,
1: Blazing Saddles blazing saddles and if people have seen this movie it's it's you could not make this movie today because it, it's a satire it is a parody but it's i mean it, it Almost every sort of Hollywood and and racial stereotype and stuff plays out in this. I mean, whether it's whether it's blacks versus whites or gay people versus straight people or whatever, it just it it just hits all these bases. And you watch this and it's funny as heck. But you just sit there and say Mel Brooks could not have made this movie today because there would be you wouldn't even know where the picket lines would start. But that's kind of how things have changed.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: So, very glad to have you with us. The 2020 Wisconsin State Fair may be canceled, but it doesn't mean we can't commemorate what might have been. Today would have been the opening day of the fair. In normal years, yesterday morning, I would have been out there 6 a.m., giving away three or six packs of cream puffs to listeners. We've done that year after year after year. Hopefully, Hopefully next year. I I was actually saying to somebody around here yesterday that I just, I want a year of normal. I I just, I, I want a year where we've got the State Fair and we've got Summerfest and we've got a traditional Brewers opening day. I want a year of normal. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. Anyhow. 2020 Wisconsin State Fair may be canceled. It doesn't mean we can't commemorate what might have been. Tune into Wisconsin's morning news as they relive the sights and sounds that make the State Fair what it is. You'll also have a chance to win tickets for next year's event. It's the Wisconsin State Fair's Necessities from WTMJ. Okay, group, producing the show today and always. All right, I got a question for you. i going to put you on the spot here. All right, when it comes to consumer spending, On holidays in the United States, Christmas is number one. So people spend the most on on Christmas, and we're including, you know, gifts, and we're including, well, just everything associated. with Christmas is the number one holiday every year in the country. Want to make a guess as to what number two is? The 4th of July? Uh, That's not a bad guess. It's not right. No, but it's not a bad guess. No, Halloween. Believe it or not, Halloween is second to Christmas when it comes to consumer spending. Um, okay, last year, get this: they estimate that about consumer spending was over eight point eight billion dollars. Um, American is expected to spend three point two billion on costumes, two point six billion on candy, two point seven billion on decorations, three hundred ninety million on greeting cards. So again. That, at least according to the National Federation of Merchants what they're saying, Halloween is number two. And when you think about it, it makes sense. People are out there celebrating. They're doing these things. All right, typically, well, okay, we're here. It's it's early to mid-August, early to mid-August. Normally, I was thinking about State Fair. State Fair ends in the middle of August, and then a couple weeks later. You know what happens at State Fair Park? You see that the giant Halloween store that goes up typically right around Labor Day. We will see a, a number of you know vacant storefronts that the Halloween stores will, will move in and and they'll be open for a couple months and then they end up you know disappearing again after Halloween goes. But but it's it's a big deal as evidenced by all those different types of stores that that are open. Well, all right, here's the problem. It appears that Halloween. May be canceled this year. Now, now, hear me out on this. Um, already, a number at a number of the big theme parks, for example, both in Disneyland and Disney World, they have. This, I'll tell you the story sometime about the time I went to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party at Disney World. It's a, it's kind of a Wagner family legend. But, but they have these huge things around Halloween, and they, like at Disney World, what they do is they open up the park in the evenings and you need a special ticket. And they've got all these characters and people come in costumes and things like that. that that's that been canceled this year, both because of COVID-19, both at Disney World and at Disneyland. Universal Studios, they have a, it, it's a more adult sort of thing. They, they call it the Halloween Horror Nights. And, and they do them at Universal Studios, for example, both in Florida and in California. Again, it's more adult. And there's, I guess, scarier sort of attractions, but it is a huge draw. These places are packed, you know, for the the couple of weeks before Halloween that they do this. Universal Studios has canceled um, their events and a number of other big theme parks and stuff all across the country. They've already and here we are, you know, it's early pushing mid-August. They've already announced that the, the Halloween things that they were going to be setting up that would be attracting large crowds, they're they are not going to happen. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand right now we're trying to figure out, can you finish a baseball season? Can you can you make an NBA season work in a bubble? Can you have college football? My answer to that is I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Can, can you have pro football? Okay, and, and those are decisions that we're going to be faced with, again, August and September. But Halloween is coming up. Here is my question to you. Is there any way that we are going to be able to have trick-or-treating, conventional sort of Halloween parties and things like that this year or is Halloween going to be another casualty of COVID-19 and another thing that just kind of goes away, at least for 2020? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, this is one that, I, as somebody who loves Halloween, I hope I'm wrong on. I, I do not see any way at all that we are going to be able to have any sort of anything close to a traditional sort of Halloween with trick-or-treating in neighborhoods and things like that in the era of COVID-19, unless sometime in the next month or so, a vaccine materia- mysteriously appears. Will we be able, will communities have have Halloween? 855 my answer is I don't see it happening. Not pushing for that, hope I'm wrong. I don't see any way we have parents going out and and spending all this money and buying the costumes for the kids and going door to door i just don't see it what do you think we discuss in just a moment this is jeff wagner
0: jeff wagner on wtmj
1: (laughs) okay so uh, at at a lot of the big theme parks across the country disney universal they've already said we're we're not having our halloween events this year and i'm getting a couple texts from people saying well how how do we how do we know what it's going to look like Well, well here's the deal um okay Los Angeles, I'm looking at a story in the L.A. Times, the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Right. They're already saying, look, we'll send out guidelines, but here's the deal. Families should, quote, be prepared to offer alternative ways of celebrating that minimize contact with non household members. Now, I understand we're we're. You know, okay, August, September, October, we're three months away. But, okay, LA is already saying, just don't, don't plan on this. All right, you, you know what the city of Milwaukee's health department is like. All right, do you, do you seriously think, unless there's some major change, unless COVID's gone away, can, can you see Tom Barrett coming out and saying, and, and the Tom Barrett's his health department saying, okay, we, we're going to allow people, we're going to have neighborhoods permitting people to go door to door and interacting with strangers, masked or otherwise? I, I mean, I just don't see how it's going to happen. And if if there's a fallout, think about the economic impact of that. I mean, now, a couple of people are texting me saying, hey, I was out at a Costco the other day, and they've already got Halloween costumes and candy that's there. Somebody just said I was at a Walgreens, and they had the Halloween candy out. Yeah, it, it it's out there, and I'm sure people might consider buying it. But if you think that this is going to be a Halloween like previous Halloweens, I mean, prepare to be – prepare to be disappointed Jason in Sheboygan Jason you're on WTMJ good afternoon good afternoon Jeff I agree with you 100% I am a gambler um, and I would I would wager up to ten thousand dollars there's not going to be no Halloween in Sheboygan uh, I would also wager that schools will be shut down I, I got a feeling come October somebody is going to be definitely a staff member a teacher maybe even a student and the schools will be shut down some point october november well so i just don't see any of that happening yeah i mean, I mean thanks to college rates i mean you, you know i, I think you, you raise an interesting point um some schools are going to reopen within person and we've talked about this before i mean the the mps strategy of reopening is not to reopen a, at least through the end of september but yeah i mean if 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 you can't send kids to schools I mean, are we going to send kids out to be trick-or-treating? I understand. But by the way, I get it that schools are a lot more important than Halloween. But I'm just saying, okay, when we're looking at at what the rest of the year looks like, I I think, you know, if, if people are... Are planning on on spending a lot of money and okay. Somebody says, "What about haunted houses?" Well, I, I mean, I I would say the I would say the same thing. I you know earlier on the show we were talking about how the the water park at Wisconsin Dells, Noah's Ark, that they, they were open, they were able to stay open for like a month and a half, and then they had an outbreak of of COVID, and they've decided that they're just going to close for the balance of the year. I mean, haunted houses? How 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 in the world? Is that going to work? I mean, where you, you have groups of people that go through and go into the different rooms, and then you have people that jump out at them and scare them and stuff. I I'm, I Look, I'm, I'm not hoping for this. And believe me, nobody would be happier than me to be wrong about it. But as we make our, our plans and stuff, I, I'm thinking, you know, we're already talking Halloween, and I just don't see it happening. And now the interesting thing, again, to me, is going to be the economic impact of this. And I guess I never realized... How how much money we collectively spend on Halloween? But you know, will will we see all those those pop up stores that we typically see in a in a couple of weeks? And and will people be buying the candy? And yeah, my my sense is yeah, people are going to still go out and buy Halloween candy, but I don't know that we're going to have the trick or treating. I don't know that people are going to be spending as much uh, for this different thing. Jeff, ironically, every year I go to China for Halloween. Uh, they're usually usually spend a couple hundred dollars on costumes, fly over there and have an amazing time at events. This year I will not be going because I'd have to spend two weeks, you know, in quarantine. Well, um that. Okay, here's a text. Spirit Halloween is planning on opening their stores. Well, okay, that's, they may very well open the stores. I guess the question's going to be, are are people going to be patronizing them, and and will communities allow trick or treating to be you know going on? Will people be allowing people to go like door? Will neighborhoods and communities allow people to go door to door? And I guess I'm just if if you're looking at what people are cracking down on, ex- explain to me how going to strangers' doors and stuff is going to be permitted or encouraged. I just think it's. It might be a bridge too far, Jeff. I think parents will buy their kids a couple bags of candy instead of having them collect a hundred pieces from a hundred different people's houses. Maybe people will make more costumes this year at home arts and crafts. Maybe that will increase. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Picture, all right. Picture the parents who is uncomfortable sending their child to to school or they're uncomfortable sending their child to, to public settings? Is that parent going to send their kid to, you know, 50 or 100 different houses, you know, in different neighborhoods? And I, I, I guess my reaction is I just don't see it happening. Too bad, and I understand it's three months off, but don't be surprised if Halloween, along with so many other things, is one of the next casualties of COVID-19 in 2020. This is Jeff Wagner. And this is Jeff Wagner. The COVID-19 pandemic is still taking its toll across America. How will this impact schools in the fall? Join us next Tuesday, August 11th, for WTMJ Cares. It's a special roundtable hosted by our very own John McCure. We'll have education experts here to answer any questions you have about K-12 through schools, colleges, and universities, their plans for the fall, and heading into next year. If you have a question that you'd like to answer during the roundtable, you can give us a call, 414-203-8105, and leave a message with your question. We'll make sure it gets asked. That's 414-203-8105. WTMJ Cares. It's sponsored by Watree Industries and Premier Aluminum. Also sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, Gruber Law Offices, Holiday Automotive, and Brett Ochtenhagen Seasonal Services. Alright. This, this survey is perhaps not a surprise, but it, it underscores to me a, a lesson that some in the mainstream media need to learn. Earlier this week, uh, there was a new survey that was released from re- released by by Gallup, the polling organization, and the Knight Foundation. That's K-N-I-G-H-T. And what they did is they, they asked people their opinion about the media. And, and the question was, you know, do you believe that there is, is bias in the media? Now, I actually think that that's kind of a, you know, um, Dog Bites Man story, because having done this job for 20 some years and seen the way different things get covered, it's almost impossible not to believe that there is a bias in in the media. Regardless of, of how you feel about President Trump, for example, if you read the coverage that Trump gets in, say, the New York Times or the Washington Post, it is relentlessly negative. It's been that way for the last several years. The reporter's loathe president trump and and it's apparent to that and and that's been that's been a, a winning financial. Uh, technique and style because what they do is they write to the audience that they, they write to an audience people that are reading the new york times by and large they hate trump too and so they're they're getting those, those newspaper articles that are colored to that view it's like okay it reinforces your own image i don't like donald trump good the new york times is writing the story about how awful he did with this or that or the other thing same thing is true with the washington post that's that's how you you see it it's not an unbiased approach to it. it it's a bias that is there, and in part it's it's driven by economics because they know who their audience is. Same thing is true in, for example, TV. Fox News knows who's its audience is. MSNBC and CNN know who their audiences are, and so what happens is that the coverage and the spin and the stories that get picked up are colored, slanted. Presented in a way to preach to the choir and, and appeal to those different audiences. So I, I don't know that this is necessarily any breaking new ground, but it just, you know, reaffirms what's going on. I mean, here's the deal. So massive survey, 20,000 Americans. Um, here's what they said. 49% of all Americans think the media is very biased. Not just biased, but very biased. So that's about 50%. 56% say their own news sources are biased. 7 and 10 are concerned about bias in the news they are getting. 8%, driven largely by conservatives, say dis- distrusted media are trying to ruin the country. Americans think the media is pushing an agenda. Three in four people worry that owners of media companies are influencing coverage that's up 5 points since 2017 54% believe that reporters misrepresent the facts 28% believe reporters make them up entirely so you're talking about you know huge chunks of of people that are out there that, that simply do not trust the, the media. Now you can argue whether that's rational or not. You can argue whether that's fair or not. But it is kind of the reality that's here. And I think, you know, it, it's time for, I think a lot of media companies and media outlets, particularly your, your traditional journalism based sources, to take a step back and maybe analyze what is, what is going on here. Cause it, there's no question. You, you have the bias in the way that stuff is covered. And like I say, I read a lot of newspapers so on, online, so you don't have to, and it, it's just very apparent that there are agendas that are being advanced, in part because it's consistent with the belief of the reporters and the editors, in part, like I say, because it, it's driven by economics. We're going to be, quote unquote, the paper that doesn't like Donald Trump. That's what the expectation is. And, you know, that's why the New York Times gets in trouble if they even deign to write an editorial, which... I don't know, might not post or an editorial or or post an op-ed that might not kind of toe the party line. Well, then there's all sorts of negative feedback about that. So there's unquestionably bias that's there. But this idea that 54 percent believe reporters misrepresent facts, that kind of goes to the heart of of journalism, because it's not just is there a bias. But is there that active bias that's causing people to misrepresent stuff? And if more than one out of every two Americans says that, it it tells me that, I don't know, that the mainstream media and people who aspire to be journalists have a lot of work to do in trying to regain public trust. Can they do it? Who knows? Live from the
0: Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show, and now WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. So Melissa Barkley, I, I, this shows this shows what an influencer I think that you are. No, I, I really, I really oh, do. What's that well, okay. For the last like week or so, mm-hmm. well, first of all, the Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett—he's been on this milk carton for—and <laughs> for people who didn't understand that reference, <laughs> yeah. back in the eighties. When people like disappeared, when kids disappeared, they put their faces on milk cartons. Well, Barrett was gone for a while, and and then he came back. and We have this monitor here, and it it, it shows we can us
2: see the Zoom meetings. We can see the Zoom
1: meetings along with other different things like mm-hmm. the traffic and the weather. and I'm watching golf now too. It's all, all that up there. We pulled up <laughs> the things. But so so Barrett was gone, disappeared for a while. Then he came back. He was in the Zoom meetings, and he had this beard.
2: He did. He,
1: he did. And and I mean, I, I bring this up as somebody who myself does not look good in a beard. I, <laughs> I mean, I've said that. I can grow a beard, but it comes in white. It makes me look 10 years older than I am. And we
2: talked about this on Friday. Right. I Whatever. Yeah, it, right. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. So
1: I, I freely acknowledge that it's it's not a good look for me, but I'm smart enough to know that. So I don't have it. And so we were discussing this and you and I both, you know, and it of course, you know, you're from the female perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You agreed it wasn't a good look for no, the mayor. No,
2: I mean, it did make him look older. Maybe that's what he was going for, but probably not.
1: Probably not. No, what you <laughs> No just, one really right, wants right, that. Right. When, well, well, when you're 18 years old, maybe you want to look older. Yeah. When you're, you know, 60, whatever he is, no, you, you, you don't want to. So, But I think he must have been listening because the beard is gone. It's gone. It's gone. It During just,
2: my newscast, I looked over. I said, "Hey!"
1: It just kind of disappeared. It's
2: gone. He got rid of it. So he must yeah. have been. You're thinking he
1: was. I think he was listening to listening you. Listening to us. No. A- absolutely, because he. I. We we know he listens to me, but he doesn't pay attention. Now you, yeah. I think he might. Maybe he's listening to us okay. I don't know. M- M- Melissa says, "I I look like Willie the Wino." Here I'm <laughs> going to get rid. In any event, the the beard the Beard's beard is gone. gone, and and the the mayor is back. I'm still not talking too much about the police chief. That would be nice. But I think that yeah, you're so But he's so clean cool. shaven. He is clean shaven. <laughs> hey, okay, be- before you go, okay, this is your mm-hmm. history test. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you know what happened 75 years ago this week? Ooh, 75
2: years ago this week.
1: Actually, well, uh, today, what's today's date? Today, today's the 6th. Today, today is 20. August 6th. Mm. All right. Do you know what happened 75 years ago today?
2: Gosh, I don't. Women right. got the right to vote. Is
1: that something like? No, that? no, no, no. <laughs> women were women were voting before that. Actually, right, no. Well. August 6, nineteen forty-five. It's when uh, the United States detonated the first atomic bomb over Hiroshima. Oh,
2: so you shouldn't ask me that question. It well,
1: uh, was bad. <laughs> no, well, no, but it, yeah. no, but it was it yeah. was just a, a a legendary sort of thing. It's um, and and of course that has been controversial because there there's a lot of people who think that the u.s. should not have done that and that you know it made the world a much more dangerous place so we've all
2: seen the images out of that right which was right. horrific
1: right so no hiroshima 75 mm. wow. years ago today there, there's actually a book um that, that's out or there's a couple different books that are out one's called um and i have just started it's uh, it's called Countdown 1945, and it, it talks about Harry Truman. Interestingly enough, he didn't even know they they kept the the all the work on the atomic bomb. It was incredibly secret. When Harry Truman became the president after Franklin Roosevelt died, they they went and briefed him, and they said, "You know, in a couple weeks or months, we're going to have this atomic bomb." He didn't know. It. Nobody knew that that they were that close to having an atomic bomb
2: does it surprise you that something like this hasn't happened again since then
1: that they that they haven't dropped one Yeah, of those? That
2: one hasn't been dropped or one hasn't been used in war no, I, or
1: well no i think because i, I think everybody understands the oh, devastation yeah. it's been that that nuclear deterrent that that was out there but i i think you would never be able to do some you would never be able in today's day and age you would never be able to have the secrecy that they had where you you had plants all across the country yeah. and you had, you know, hundreds or thousands of people who were working on this and they kept it all secret and, and to the extent that the vice president didn't know and that nowadays, they had it.
2: Everything leaks out. Everything. Right. There's somebody that has some information on everything.
1: Right. You know, it's, it's just absolutely amazing. Interesting. But yeah. you know, so anyway, 75 years ago, I, I will say this. The, um, I, I understand revisionist thinking is that oh the United States shouldn't have done this, etc. That's why I, I do kind of recommend the, this book, and it's called Countdown 1945. And, and what it's it, it really it it picks up right after Franklin Roosevelt's death and the decisions that are made to to drop the bomb. Um, and the, the part of part of the thing that gets lost is right. Or wrong. The Japanese were losing the war, but it was very clear they did not want to surrender. And, and so, and there was not going to be any sort of unconditional surrender. Mm-hmm. They were not going to surrender. And so, even though they were losing the war, in order to end the war, It would have been an incredibly costly thing, and and the the United States was looking at having to, you know, invade Japan, and the, the estimates were that even though the United States would have won, that the loss of of life would have just been. Incredible yes and and so the decision was made. you dropped they dropped the first bomb, and then you know th- then what, ten days later or whatever it was, or a few days later, they dropped the second bomb, and, and finally they got Japan to capitulate and so I mean, there's some people who say we shouldn't have never done that because it resulted in this horrific loss of life. but one of the premises of this book is Japan was not going to surrender, and if you hadn't have if you hadn't have done this you would have been looking at it just a terrible loss of, of life by trying to invade Japan. No, I
2: think it's good that we remind people of history like this, because we have to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself. I think we're seeing a lot of things, especially in 2020 with unrest and everything, kind of history repeats itself through the decades. And this is one thing we do not yeah. want to happen again.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, the book, I mean, it, it's 75 years ago today, and the, the book that I'm recommending. It's by Chris Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Countdown 1945. And it, it fo- again, I haven't finished it, but it, it's very, very interesting. There's a review of it in today's Wall Street Journal. But it's again, it's just an amazing time. But to me, it's not just the decision to drop the bomb, but it's the idea about how things have changed that you could, in secrecy, develop an atomic bomb without anybody knowing about it. So interesting times. Um, yeah, 75 years ago today. Okay, when we come back, we've got an early out for a Bucks game today. Our, our coverage starts at 2.30. But there is there's one interesting economic trend that I want to talk to you about um, because I admit I'm kind of surprised I did not see this coming. Stick around.
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ
1: number of people are asking, what was that book again? Countdown 1945 by Chris Wallace. And again, it it, it focuses on really the time after Harry Truman became president and found out that we were close to having an atomic bomb. And people didn't know if it was going to work or not. And the efforts to, to try to get Japan to capitulate And they sort of had this this idea at the time that, you know, you you fight to the last person and the idea of an invasion of mainland Japan and and the types of fighting that you'd be engaged in, you know, in cities and stuff like that. It was just that the loss of life would be incredible. So as horrible as it was to drop the the bomb or in this case to drop two bombs, it was ultimately, I think, at least I believe, saved a lot of lives. All right. here Here is the deal. I had. I admit that when this whole COVID-19 thing started and the shutdowns and all, I thought what would happen is it would be, I I thought what you would see is really, really low prices on cars. I I thought it would be a, a great time to buy either new or used cars. And then what happened is when you had, for example, Hertz, Large, you know, uh, rental car chain, and, and what Hertz does is Hertz, you know, they they, they sell they they you buy the cars new, they buy the cars, then you know they they turn over the fleet, so they 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 sell the cars. So I thought there'd be like a a gut uh, of uh, just a a ton of used cars that were out there, and I thought that given the economic uncertainties, people wouldn't be buying new cars. You know, just because okay, you're you're not sure what things are are looking like, and so you know, are you going to drop thirty or forty grand on a new car, etc.? Well, I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, new car sales through the roof, used car sales through the roof. Now, in part, this is because there there's a shortage. You had a lot of the major car companies that that shut down, so that are they're they're starting to ramp up again, but you know they haven't been producing as many cars as they would otherwise have, so it's tougher to get the new cars. What's going on with the used cars is that um, buyers are flooding the used car market looking for for deals. First of all, because again, there's the high price on the new vehicles, and there's a shortage of inventory, and third. Interest rates are just incredibly low. So if you've got to finance the car, it's an incredibly cheap time to, to do it. The, the money is cheap. Okay. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I, I admit I didn't necessarily see this coming. All right. If you're, if you're in the market for either a new car or a new to you used car, all right. Is, is this the time to buy? You know, have you pulled the trigger on something like this this recently? Because candidly, I thought people would be kind of pulling back. But at least when it comes to automobiles, either new or used, that doesn't appear to be the case at all. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right. Have you been in the market for either a new or a used car and, and and why? We discuss in just a moment.
2: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: I just find this to be fascinating because, like I say, I thought, I candidly thought, with the economic disruption that was out there, what was going to end up happening is that the the bottom was going to fall out of of new car the new car market. People wouldn't be buying that. That hasn't turned out to be the case, and. Because production shut down, there's actually a shortage of, of new cars. I also thought, okay, with used cars, there's going to be, you know, people flooding the market and you've got like the rental car company going out of business and there's going to be all these and that's going to result in a price decrease. But whether it's cheap money, you know, the cheap car loans, or the fact that there's um, just a a lot, maybe people that that can't get the new car, that you're seeing the the used car market go through the roof as well. Ken in Milwaukee. Ken, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Real well, thank you. Okay, have you purchased Uh, a car recently? Yes. Um, uh, Two-year-old, new to me, used car uh i got it kind of late i wanted to buy it uh like like when everything hit
0: because i thought the prices would be a little cheaper but i still got a good deal on it um uh, you know uh the the selection was still pretty good i don't know what it is now i've had it now for probably a couple months right but uh at that time it
1: was still pretty good um i'm glad i pulled it i knew it was going i was going to buy one somewhat recently i didn't want to get caught behind the eight ball and what I wanted
0: wasn't available for another six or eight months or a year or whatever. Right. So that's right. why I kind of went ahead and Did, bought it then.
1: Yeah, no, that that's kind of interesting. And and again, a lot of, I, I think there were some people that decided to sit on the sidelines figuring, okay, we're, we're going to wait and the, the prices are going to go yeah. down, etc. Yeah. And that just hasn't been the way this has worked at all. It's a great time for no. car dealers. Yeah. It, yeah. it is. It, it wasn't a panic buy by by any means, but you know, I just thought
0: well, now was a good time, and it worked out good for us.
1: Yeah. No. Th- thanks for call. And again, it, it's it, this stuff it ends up being cyclical. I mean, you can you you can still you, you can still buy new cars. I mean, it, it's not like there's a shortage of that. But for and again, I, I'm a supply and demand kind of guy. So, I mean, I, on the one hand, when I was trying to analyze this, I thought, okay, the, the demand for some of these newer vehicles is just going to fall off a cliff because, again, if you have people who, are experiencing economic uncertainty, especially, you know, going back into March and April when you're getting people that are laid off and you don't know what the jobs are going to be. All right. That, that's the last time that they're necessarily going to run out unless they absolutely have to, you know, and and purchase a new vehicle for 25 or 30 or $40,000 or whatever that, that's going to be. They're, they're going to hold off on that. Well, I think that might have been true to an extent. But in addition to that, what ended up happening is the automakers, again, shut down production. So you you did not have the typical supply that's out there. So right now, supply and demand is still kind of, you know, kind of. You know, in line with each other, it's not like there's a glut of cars that are sitting there. So dealers haven't felt the compulsion to, you know, deeply discount the prices on the new cars. And again, even though there's plenty of used cars that are out there on the market, one of the things you're seeing is demand is high. People are saying, okay, well, this is an ideal time to buy. I need the vehicle. So uh, it, it is an interesting thing. And I, I'll fully admit, I did not see this coming but you've got car prices you know spiking on on the used car market something that it, you know typically does not end up happening now of course that shouldn't discourage you if you need a car you're going to go out and do it but if you're Waiting, if you need something in the immediate future and you're waiting because you think, okay, well, the the prices are going to dramatically go down, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case. At least it hasn't been the case, you know, so far as automobile manufacturers are just. I do feel... I, I I don't know what's going to happen to the rental car industry. I, I I've told the story before. I have a a very dear friend who in retirement you know drives part time for one of these rental car companies, uh, moving you know repositioning cars. You know you you need. Uh, there, you got cars in Waukesha. You need to get them to Eau Claire. So he does that a couple times a week, or at least he, he did. Um, but in the rental car industry, nobody's traveling. Nobody's renting cars. Don't know what the future that's going to be. Okay. Like I said, we've got an early out. There's a Bucks basketball game. I am back 12 noon tomorrow friday show we do this all again and we'll be featuring the return of pop culture friday so stick around for that also we'll have a better idea as to what the fire and police commission intends to do perhaps with chief morales so all that's coming up i will join you and talk to you again 12 noon on friday have a great thursday go bucks this is jeff wagner wtmj